Hello, beautiful people. I am Giovanna welcoming you to our very first episode of the Good Girl Great Scott podcast. Today, we're going to be interviewing one of my personal faves, Pastor Nikki Moore. And I'm so excited for this conversation. I think it's going to bless a lot of people. So stay tuned as Nikki talks about marriage, ministry and community. All right. Well, my name is actually Shanique Nicole Moore. I am originally from Savannah, Georgia, I'm currently in Columbia. That's where I met the beautiful Giovanna Swan. And I'm currently in Columbia with my husband, Martez Moore. And we've been married for 10 years. This will be 11 this year. So super excited about those double digits. I am just a Georgia native. This is my first actually big move from the state of Georgia. So we've been here for about two and a half years and we're currently associate pastors of Forward City Church, um, but we also have a college campus church in Valdosta, Georgia. That's where Pastor Martez and myself, we met. So yeah, I've been basically either in school or in ministry for the last 17 years. (laughs) And that is kind of where most of my time has been, either kind of fluctuating between school, church, uh, marriage. I think those are the three areas. And as far as school is concerned, I have a bachelor's in marketing, a minor in African-American studies, and then I have a master's in educational leadership or higher education and um, ABD in educational leadership. I was raised the only child, but I do have a brother named Ove. He's a wonderful chef. And let's see, those are all the things about me and my family and myself and my marriage. I would consider myself to be a woman who likes to have fun. I think I like, I like to laugh. I like to stay youthful, but I love to embrace maturity. So in some ways people could be confused about my age, but sometimes not. But I, I'm, I think where I am in my life right now, I'm learning to really just be content with who I am. I'm who I am, who I'm not. And That's kind of me in a nutshell. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. So my next question would be, how did you get into college ministry? What led you to get into college ministry and what has that looked like for you? Well, I will definitely say that the Lord led me. I don't think that that's something that I actually desired to do. Like, hey, I went to college like, hey, I'm about to do this. Basically, uh, Campus ministry is something that I did not kind of choose. I basically, I think that the Lord led me into that. Valdosta State was my second college. I went to FAMU University and I spent my first two years there studying, trying to love God, but basically turning up. Like, I don't, I don't think that in my mind, I was thinking when I was in college that I was going to um, start a campus ministry. I did think I was going to lead some people to Christ, but then after a while, I think partying was my thing, but the Lord just took me on out of that, put me at Valdosta and I met Pastor Martez and I'll never forget. I met him when we were in the choir and I think I was just thinking to myself, he's really nice. He loves the Lord. He's sincere. And at that time, I think I kind of had, I don't know, kind of got to a point where it was like, you know what? I really need to commit my whole life outside of just going to church. I need to really like commit, commit. And so 
meeting with Pastor Martez, I think he, I'm calling Pastor Martez, but Martez, I realized that I, I would see a lot of people like on campus, kind of like how I was like on campus trying to figure out like, I know I went to church before I got here, but now I don't really know. And then I don't think, think that we really had authentic examples. I, I don't, I mean, I don't take it wrong. Like people probably thought they were being authentic and they probably were, but it wasn't as transparent. You couldn't look at their life and um, kind of see how to live on campus. Like I know how to live as a, I guess, a married woman with three or four kids, but how do I live life right now? So I think we, we wanted to do that. And then it kind of just evolved into something bigger. So, yeah. And how do you feel like your marriage has played a role in your ministry? Mm. Well, I tell you what, marriage is a crucible. <laughs> yeah, I feel like marriage is, um, and I would say that marriage has refined me a lot. I think prior to marriage, if you were to ask me, I think I would have thought to myself that I was a rather refined Christian or mature believer, you know, like, you know, but it's only when you're with someone else um, and having to relate to them and having to, you learn more about yourself. You learn more about your limitations, the things in you that need to be to grow and mature and just I don't know. I, I I definitely believe being married to Martez has helped me in ministry by being more of my authentic self. I don't think, again, like I said before about other people, I don't think that I intend to not be authentic. I just think, I think individually, we learn how to adjust to people, right? So if someone, you know, rubs me the wrong way, I don't have to go home with them. You know what I'm saying? So I just kind of navigate to where it becomes comfortable until I have to leave. That's not how it goes in marriage though. You know, I mean, you sleeping in the same bed, you know, preferably you need to sleep in the same bed, but you're having to navigate with this person. They're seeing you all the time. And I think being with Pastor Martez has really pushed me to questions like, Nikki, is this really how you feel? I know you said this, and this is the right thing to do. But is this actually happening in your heart, you know? And so, yeah, I think being with him has been the best for me. So, mm-hmm. and ministry. What would you say to people who are married and feel like they do want to go into ministry, but their spouse might not be on the same page with them in regards um, to them? Yeah. So I, I have, I have a some friends i don't i have people acquaintances more that i know um are challenged in that particular area i think and i think if people go you know they'll think that it's kind of like cliche but marriage is a ministry and it should be actually your first ministry outside of your ministry to the father to the lord and i think that that's the challenge in transition when you're single to marriage. I think, you know, again, we, we're, we recognize that the Lord has called us to do a lot of different things. And especially when like, there is this kind of awakening or revelation, like God wants me to do this. I think prior to getting married, there needs to be an evaluation, right? Of, Hey, is this person on the same page? And who's to say that person may change their mind once they get married. 
but then in that space now you've made a covenant with your spouse so am i saying that i feel like the person should abandon what they feel like the father's calling them to do i don't i do believe though the same god who called you will give you grace direction and guidance and how to navigate that with your spouse i don't this is my personal belief is that i don't think that the lord will navigate or lead you to towards something away from your spouse it, it with its intention like the father be like hey i want to call you to go across the nation and then if your spouse is a believing spouse i think that there's going to have to be dialogue there's going to have to be conversations prayer mutual submission you know yeah that's it's a tough one mm -hmm. do you feel like having the support of pastor mart has allowed you to do things in ministry that you probably wouldn't have done and if so like what has that looked like like how has having the specific spouse that you have helped you to grow in ministry to be honest i actually think i would have still done it i think i would have still done it just the kind of person i am i think actually pastor martez has helped me by creating boundary in my life actually more than it is um providing more access i do think in cer certain spaces though where i may not have felt as confident or as sure i think that being with him um i do feel like man you know i have somebody who literally will support you because i think sometimes when you even know you can do something what makes it even just just that what's better is when you have somebody supporting you like you know you can do it when you look back and you just like you know not necessarily not necessarily looking back, but just look to the side or, you know, at the end of the day, this person is for me, right? You can conquer the world, you know? Um, so I think I think that regardless if I was with him or with, without him, I would have just done things. I believe I probably would have done more things. I think I would have not have had as much boundary in my life at all. I think I would have been everywhere, you know? And I think... I probably would have had to learn a lot of lessons because Martez, and you know him, Martez is full of wisdom. You understand, like, I can discern my socks off, right? I mean, well, I mean, with the Lord, I try to be, you know, but wisdom, man, I've grown in so much wisdom because of him, you know, just decisions, learning to say no, learning how to be slow to speak and quick to hear. Those are all traits I think I've learned from him, so. So we know, you know, Pastor Nikki, Speaker Nikki, who is just regular Nikki? Like who is just the Nikki that's with her mom or her grandmother? You know, like who do you feel like you are when it's like just you and the father? And how do you feel like you got to that place? Like what has that journey been like for you? I, it was funny. I was thinking about this yesterday, just about who I am, right? Like who am I? And especially in this season of my life, I feel like some things are slowing down and some things are speeding up. And I actually was telling the Lord that I was thankful that I don't feel like there are too many variations of myself. So who I am right now talking to you 
is the same woman or person that I would be talking to my mom or my grandma. Uh, and I don't think that prior, that's not the case. I don't think like um, who I am, Pastor Nikki, let's have a conversation, who I am right now. Now, I may have different tones, you know what I'm saying, depending on what I'm looking at or watching or laughing or joking, but it's the freedom right now in my life that I have like, I actually don't have to code switch. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, we understand the professional code switch. Maybe you, I should have said the difference in my job because probably if I was working, maybe a little change in the T's and the R's. You know how we are. But outside of that, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Even right now, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like in, I think I was telling somebody else how one day I was at work and I was like, bruh. <laughs> I was like, bruh. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying, there's this freedom that I have. Like, it's almost just like I fight for it. It's like the, to guard, not to have to be a, different variations of myself. Like if it's going to be anybody's issue to have to deal with who I am actually, I'm just going to let it be the other person. And I don't think I have, I haven't been like that in my life. I think I've always through maybe family school they just teach you how to accommodate how to adjust how to you know what i'm saying how to make the people around you more comfortable and it's 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 okay to be considerate but what i'm not gonna be is mute what i'm not gonna be is i'm gonna edit who i am you know what i'm saying like so i think where i am right now oh and how i got there is girl it was a journey I, I i don't even know i think i thought about like me i remember crying a lot when i was younger like i'm tired of this or i feel like this i wish i could just be myself these whole moments where you just you know or i think it, it it was broken friendships it was disappointments it was moments where i didn't understand the lord it was just a whole journey like i don't think it's like one formula, like what makes you just become your authentic self? I would literally say living, <laughs> literally living, because you have to live things out and learn from them and then grow. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wish I was this person at 20. I just don't know how, how much depth it would actually have. You know what I'm saying? Like, this person has went through a lot to get here. Or not to get here, but in being here. Does that make sense? So, what does meekness mean to you, girl? <laughs> ah, meekness mean—I don't know. I was about to be funny. I was about to say meekness mean I can knock you out, but I don't. You know, that's <laughs> um, I, um, to me, meekness is having an awareness of your strength, but using your strength for the benefit of others. That's just where I'm at. You know, it's having a right assessment of your rights. I know what I can do. I know I got a lot of rights, but I ain't gonna let my rights, I'm gonna use my rights for the for your benefit. Yeah. Do you feel like coming into, I don't know, because I feel like meekness gets such a bad rep. It does. It's like meekness in a lot of people's minds means weakness. You know, so what can you say about like the wisdom to utilize meekness in that like it is an actual gift 
um it is a maturity versus uh just letting people like walk all over you well i think in order for a person to like authentically be meek they have to not uphold their reputation so much because one thing will snatch you out of meekness is when you think somebody coming for you like oh did you forget oh clearly you you thinking that just because and it's all those different arguments and you know how you talk to yourself or yourself talk to you or however and they'd be like did they try you i know they didn't try me they did try you girl and you'd be like oh uh did they try me yeah i don't know who they thought that in this that whole conversation girl you'll be in meekness and be snatched out so quick because again I think, again, our prime example, especially for us as believers, our biblical worldview, right, is Christ. That brother could have thought, like, death. That's all he could have been like, die, you know? <laughs> and that would have been wiped out of here. And so I think, one, the, the people's failure to recognize that this is their actual creator. This brother could have said, stop, breathe. Like, and that's what I'm saying in my mind. Every time I think about Jesus, like, walking the earth, I'm like, I know God, he ain't choose me. You know, I, you know, like he wouldn't have been like Nikki gonna be the Nikki gonna be the savior. Why? Girl, people have been dead in the streets. Nobody knowing why. Why? Because you didn't try me, and you literally. I think at one point I probably want would have wanted somebody to know, like, you know, like you okay, you gonna stop breathing tomorrow, you know. And so I think your reputation cannot be. You can't consider it. You, you can't consider it. You have to be aware of it, but it, it can't have so much value to you. You have to know who you are, right? And so once, once you know who you are and you're aware that there's nothing that anyone else can do to mess that up, then it's, the power is in meekness because it's just like, I do what I do because I chose to, not because you made me. And that's what I love about the Lord. He was like, you ain't take my life. I laid this down just so we clear, you know. So, yeah. You know, you work with a lot of young people. So what do you feel like is one of the largest problems that's spiritually plaguing young people? And how do you feel like they can combat that problem spiritually? Mm, right now, I think a lot of it is, I guess it's still always been the same, which is a identity issues and crises right so i think even without it being a biblical worldview we learn this in leadership we learn this in higher ed like students are doing that particular age we're discovering a lot of stuff about who we are we're going through disillusionment we're recognizing half of the stuff that we learned isn't true you know or we're discovering our parents are human we recognizing hey, there's some beliefs I have. I don't even know really if these are my beliefs or beliefs that I felt like I had to commit to. And it's kind of like you're discovering all of this in a span of five years with other people who are also discovering stuff about them. And then y'all are eating lunch together. Think about it, right? Y'all eating lunch together. You might like somebody. And then y'all are in a room with another person who didn't figure themselves out telling you some other truth. And you're just like, yeah, this is crazy. You know? And you're dealing with that in school. You're dealing with the people around you. And then if you are a person who's come out of some type of religious background, you're having to deal with, well, do I, you know, is God real? You know, I mean, I've been committed to a youth group my whole life. I don't know if this junk real or, you know, or bad stuff starting to happen and you're trying to reconcile it. Like this ain't making sense. So I think 
that I just think from, from your 20s, your your t late teens to your mid 20s, shoot, nowadays to your 30, you know what I'm saying? Like, shoot, I don't know, I don't know who, what's going on in my life. So I think that, um, that that is a big thing. I think that's huge right now. And what's one way you feel, or multiple ways, or how do you feel like people can overcome that? I don't think you can overcome identity crisis. Like, get me wrong. When I, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I mean overcome the crisis, I think you have to, again, that's my worldview, but I think it's in discovering the one who knows you. It's so hard trying to figure out yourself without someone who already knows you. And even if you did try to figure out yourself, things change so much. Like, it's kind of like, I felt like I liked this then. It's like you need some type of security. You need some type of anchor, right? And so I just think even when people come to this space of I figured myself out, look at these people who are like 60 years old, right? Who ride bikes and bald head and they like got on leather. I'm just playing. But, you know, an identity crisis happened like three or four times in a person's lifespan. So I'm thinking, imagine that's already naturally happening, right? And so imagine that without somebody, without any type of anchor. You know, so I I think that the solution is discovering Christ. For me, I think it's discovering Christ. I do think that there are practical things like, you know, you can make take assessment, discover what you do like, try things. You know, I'm I'm one of the the in my personality type, try stuff and find out not just what you like, but what don't you like. I think for me, one of the biggest things in my life in my late twenties is discovering what I didn't like what I don't want to do. Like people are like, what do you want to do? I don't know, but I know what I don't want to do. You know? So I just think in the identity crisis thing, I think it's discovering the one who knows you begin to identify things like what I like, what I don't like. And then I think one of the biggest things is not being so hard on yourself as you're growing. Oh my God, we're changing. You know, we're so hard on ourselves. We want to be perfect. We want to be accepted. We want to be affirmed. And we're really not sure if the people around us are going to stay or are they going to leave. You know, things we, we fear loss. But it's like if we can really not be so hard on ourselves about how we're doing and just give ourselves breathing room to live. Nobody's lived your life before. Nobody nobody's lived it nobody's lived my life before they don't know how i'm supposed to live right now in my life but i can be so hard on myself because i'm not living my life well there's no blueprint for this you know so yeah that's how i see it what do you feel has been the biggest catalyst to your freedom hmm. for me i think it has been receiving the love of the father. I have totally been transformed even since I've been here. And I know in talking to you, Javonna, like, you know, it's kind of where I would spend an hour or an hour and a half 
worrying about like after I said I had a conversation, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I wonder if they're okay. Did I such and such? And it's just kind of like, Nikki, you are so enough. You are enough. Like, you know, and if you have to apologize, then you have to apologize. If you didn't do this, then you didn't do this. Like, I think where I am now, because I feel like the father's love is kind of complete in me, I'm okay with having to apologize. I'm okay with saying I'm sorry, because none of those things take away from who I am. Like, I am already enough, right? And so if I didn't do something well, it's okay. It's all right. Or if I want to say no, and I fear me saying no is really going to not just rock the boat, but what if they don't like it? What if my, our relationship changed? It's okay. It's okay. You know, and so it ain't always the most comfortable feeling, but I think that now in my life with the father's love, I have courage to continue. Like I'm, I'm courageous enough to be like, all right, this gonna hurt, you know, but we about to do this, you know? So yeah, I, I definitely believe that the Lord um, receiving the father's love and what that looks like practically to, you know, cause that can be Christian lingo. Right. But becoming aware of God's love for me as it, as he's expressed in the scriptures, but tr discovering what that looks like for me. So he said a lot of things in his word or in the Bible. I want to believe that I'll, I'm making a choice to believe that what you say about me is true and to believe that while my name, Nikki, isn't written in the Bible, that those words that you're writing, you were thinking about me as well in a general sense. And so I put my faith in that. I live by it. And then my pursuit is to make him a priority in my life because it's making me better. You know what I'm saying? Like it's making me better in the area of like my soul, the way that I think. But at the same time, me believing in Christ has made me better. So I'm not really striving. You know what I'm saying? I understand like my perfection has already happened in Christ, but I do think I'm a better person. I think I'm, I think I'm growing every day to look like him and to be how he designed me to like i'm discovering more about myself like dang girl all right you know so yeah yeah how do you feel like the church and church has played a role in your salvation the universal church uh universal church uh i'll just say universal church in, in general um my ch the church i went to overcoming explain to people what the universal church is. i will definitely <laughs> so I, when i mean universal church i'm just talking about like the the body of christ the universal body of christ where jesus is the head and you got many members right and so i'm not talking about a local church right now a local body of believers who meet at a building but i will say when i was seven my mom and i went to a church called overcoming faith well, it was by faith then, but it's overcoming faith in Savannah. They taught me the word of God. Like they taught me, they sent us to a camp. I'll never forget it. And I learned about salvation. It wasn't no kind of, I don't know, stickers and candy and all that stuff. No, <laughs> they taught us. And I remember writing my mom a letter when I was seven and I was like, Hey mom, I'm at this camp and I just gave my life to the Lord. And I such and such and I it was just cute I think my mom still got it and I remember that now there 
you know, you have to walk that out and live that out. And, you know, I was still a teenager and I did all this other stuff trying to figure out how to live that. But I think I will always be thankful for a true foundation of salvation. Like I didn't have to discover that when I was 20. Right. So I was, there wasn't a disillusionment about that. Now, navigating through church, local church culture, I've learned a lot of stuff. I've learned dynamics. I've learned faith. I've learned praise, worship, styles, and they've had their benefits and then they've had their challenges. And I think, I think the church has really in certain ways, in certain spaces has really armed me and prepared and put, you know, set me up to really be an asset to the greater body. Right. So I think that because of the different churches I've been to, and there have been a lot, I've learned a lot. At the same time, I think I've went through a lot, right? Just trying to figure out or decipher, is this, is this stuff with the, with the Lord? This don't look like God. You know what I'm saying? Like, this look like man. And when I mean man, like this literally look like a person, you know? And so trying to discover like, even when I was talking, you know, how the Lord, I was like, I'm enough and navigating through fear and stuff. Half of that stuff, like fear of man was more challenges that I dealt with in church than I dealt with in my home. And so, yeah, I think, but overall, I think, you know, the, the local church or the body of Christ has been integral in my life. How do you feel like your mom and your relationship with your mom has played a role in your salvation? Well, you have met my mom. And for those of you who do not know, uh, Shirley Alexander is the bomb.com. I just want to say when I was young, I thought she was God's sister. And I used to tell people that. She said, Nikki, don't tell people that. And I'm like, you are. You know, because I literally would ask her mom, what scripture is this? And she was like, she would just say it. And I'm like, Whew. like, you literally got the Bible in your head. And um, I remember when I got like maybe about eight. Or nine. She was like, Nikki, stop saying that to people. And I was like, well, I think you are. <laughs> and I know she wasn't, but still. My mom, I just love, I love her. I think between 14 and 18, I hated her, right? And everybody knew. <laughs> I thought she was against me. I was just like, you come in for my life. You don't want me to do nothing, you know? But man, I remember going to college and her dropping me off and I boo-hoo. Like, and then after college, I think my mom started sharing more about who she was as a woman. And then I was just like, oh, like, really? You went through that? Like, you know, just, I don't know. She's my best friend. She's one of my best friends, but she's still my mom. Like, she is my mom. And I think in the beginning, I really, uh, once I got married, I got really scared. Like, what am I going to do if my mom leaves? I know eventually death has happened. But I was like, I don't think I can make it in the world. Now I think I can, but... I love that lady. Like I love, I love her because besides Martez, and now I almost make me cry. She has been like, besides Martez, my mom has always been there. Like when I tell you, Giovanna, like, and she has seen me at my worst. Like. My mom has seen me at my worst. And I will never forget, like, 
even times when I have, I've been guilty. Like I've been guilty and I'm like, you know, shame, full of shame. And she just be like, I don't know. She just find a way to still like, uh, I don't know. Like, like I can, I don't, I don't ever feel defeated with her. Like, I just don't. She doesn't make, I don't know how she do it. Like, I'm a grown behind woman. And it's just like, just like being in her, her presence. I don't know how to explain it. But I'm thankful for her. You know what I'm saying? And I know like, like now I can see her and I see her getting older. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of scary. I was looking at her the other day. And I'm like, why is your hair graying? Like, you don't need gray hair. <laughs> I need you to be 40. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I was talking to the Lord the other day about it. And I was just like, like, let's talk about life. Like, she actually does not have to die if you just want to talk about it. <laughs> she can actually be the first person who lives forever. <laughs> just if we want to talk about it. I love her. And... I don't know how much time we got, but she's given me all of herself. I, I have peace with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know it'll be something, you know what I'm saying? But I just have peace with it. She's given me everything. I am, outside of the Lord, I am who I am because of her. I am. And so, if I have the resources to just take her away I will I just have to remember she's married so I can't really do as much as <laughs> but yeah we both over here crying <laughs> oh girl <laughs> how do you feel like motherhood um impacts faith right because we always hear people you know refer we refer to God as father right <laughs> But how do you feel, or even if you think about Jesus, right? Like Jesus, his dad really was God. Like all of us, we say our dad is God. <laughs> but like, that was really his dad. Really was. Like, my daddy, actually. <laughs> In real life, dad really was his dad. But like, how do you feel like mothering or like, you know, we hear about like Mary and like, how do you feel that, um, mothering plays a role into salvation into us growing as christians and like not even just necessarily biological mothering but like mothering the faith like what role do you feel like motherhood plays well i i think i think that i i won't say i think that salvation is hard but i definitely don't think i think that salvation is free i think making the choice to 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 accept Christ's life, which is also saying you're you're being crucified with Christ. I think that that is joyful because you know you have a new life in Christ. But I I definitely think you're going against the grain as you think about living in this world. And I think to make that choice to live that way, you need support. You need to be loved. 
You need someone to help to teach you. You need someone to comfort you. You need someone to reassure you. And they might, might not necessarily always be physically around. Like my mom, I think we talk maybe, I don't think it's every day, but maybe every other day or and sometimes we don't have, we have these spaces where she's busy, I'm busy, but it's the awareness that I know she's there, right? I know that she, even if she isn't calling me, I know like she's for me, right? And I think that in our walk with the Lord, we need to have community of people that we know are for us. And that at the end of the day, no matter what has happened, that they will be there to be like, you're okay, you know, and you're, you're deeply loved. Like, and I think what was beautiful to me, when you see the passion for Christ, where Jesus is like being beaten. And I, I think it's only in that scene that I lose it. Like I literally lose it. And I almost, I'm just bawling, bawling. I can't take it because I'm watching this woman watch her son like get ripped to pieces for people who are around her and they want to see him destroyed and she understands that this is something that he has to do but at the same time there's these constant flashbacks of her picking up her baby and it's just like this is my baby and then i i remember the scene where he's like coming to her and he has blood just everywhere and she doesn't even flinch she just holds him and rubs him like a baby and i'm just thinking to myself like in that moment like yes he's god but he's a grown man and he's just he don't have nobody everybody's gone and it's his mom who's just like it's okay like and it it's, it's enough to continue. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like we need that in our walk with the Lord. Because, of course, everybody's going to be around for the happy moments. But it's like them moments where you just be like, this is it. I'm tired. I ain't got time for this. <laughs> I think spiritual mothering, physical mothering, that type of comfort and support is necessary. Yeah. And what role has community played in your spirituality? Um, I think communities play everything. Because I was raised the only child, I think in my life, I have grown accustomed to just navigating. Like if if I'm if it's gonna get done, I gotta do it, right? I don't think I've recognized lag as far as like Oh, I wish I could play with somebody. Maybe a little bit, but I, I, I think I navigated through being an only child fine. And then in my family circle on my father's side was really small. I only had one cousin and he was almost 10 years young, my younger than me. I had my brother. He's, you know, almost eight years. So I think I just, I ain't really, on my mom's side, I have a whole bunch of cousins, but they were younger. But again, I think I've just kind of almost thought like just being by myself is a thing. Like it, honestly, where I am, like even now when I'm home and I'm by myself and I'm not calling people, it ain't even because I'm thinking to myself, 
I don't want to talk to people. It's just that I, you're so you're so unaware. You just you're just a you're it ain't even being alone. It's just you're just by yourself. And I why I'm thankful for community is because community reminds me you don't have to be. And and in my mind, I'm just like, I don't have to be, you know, and it's just like, no. And so I think I'm thankful for community because to me, my community has now become my family. Like when I think about you, Giovanna, or Jen, and when I think about right now, I don't have physically have children. So in my heart, it's just like, this is what I have. This is, these are my babies in my heart are whether if they don't want to be considered as daughters, they're considered sisters, you know? So in my heart, it's just like community makes me aware of family. You know what I'm saying? That's just because my dynamic is different. You know, I was, yeah. And what would you say to someone who feels like they don't need community as a part of their salvation walk? Like they're just fine, which is them and God and they don't, want to branch out or maybe a person who can't feels like they can't find community one i believe i definitely believe in prayer you know i think i don't think that you can pray you know you can pray and god just does not see it unless there's a different message or thing that he's trying to communicate like there are some spaces where we're asking god for things and it's just not happening i where i am in my walk i just don't believe that He's just ignoring you. I think that there's maybe, well, what am I to learn from this space where I don't have anybody? And then I'm even asking the questions, am I looking for friendship? Are are there any areas where I'm, I have, like I'm not looking? Are, are there places where I'm overlooking or just thinking? Because sometimes the things that we want we say we say we want a general thing, but we really want a specific thing. You know what I'm saying? Like I want community. No, you want them two girls who you, you already know who you want. You know, or God, I want a mentor. You know who you want to do. <laughs> and then so if we don't get that thing right, you know, then it's kind of like God ain't gave me nothing. He gave you that same person that you keep ignoring. Every day they come to you. Every day they call you or every day they reach out, but you don't want their attention. You want something else. And then it also reminds me of one of the girls in our ministry who's now in Japan. And I will never forget, you know, thinking about where she made, this girl has been deployed, you know, to Japan and a whole nother culture, a whole nother language, right? She's a believer and it's just like, God, Will there be people there for her, you know, um, but knowing that God has her in mind. And so that that even the friendships we've had, right, that's why we need to take care of them in those season and spaces. I think our entitlement, sometimes we get so happy about the way life is that we think this is always going to be that way, right? Kind of just like I was saying about my mom or how I was saying about my relationship with my spouse. Like, I remember thinking about that with Martez, like, you know what? If every day I'm always just nagging about something I need to get done, there are women out there who don't have husbands anymore, right? That are widows. And so I can almost live like, oh, he just going to be here tomorrow, right? And I, I need to make sure, I think the friendships that we do have, 
grow in community with them because if those things change it don't mean people don't love you you get what i'm saying just life changes then it means that you really have to kind of navigate like maybe i'm coming into a season where i won't have as many people around so i i would just encourage a person if they don't think they need community i would almost think they just need to continue growing in their walk with the lord because you can't grow deeper in god and and not recognize your need for his flop. Like, yeah, that is, that's, those two don't go together. And then if you're in a space where you don't have community physically around you, really pray. Unless you just don't have social media. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking like, that's still enough. <laughs> yeah. What is the one thing you like to leave people with? What is one thing you want people to know about God? Daddy loves you. Mm-hmm. Daddy loves you. And you don't have to work hard or try and prove yourself for his love. My God, I just want people to rest and chill. There's so much stress in the world, right? There's so much stuff and chaos going on. And it's like we got goals we want to achieve. We're in an age now where, you know, everybody has access uh, to to do actually anything they want to do. Like, you want to be this, you can do it. And I think, you know, in previous times there's been, but I think there's a greater thing now where people see these opportunities to become and they got goals. And I, I love it. I love the fact that people are wanting to make the most out of their life. Sometimes I pray, though that in trying to make their life so full that they don't miss it, living it, you know, like really living your life and that your life would be full. I think where I currently am, and especially since I've moved and I've kind of been in a space where I'm not moving as much, I've been contemplating and thinking about like, what do I want to really live my life as and I've been talking to the Lord about legacy like like I want my life to have had meaning and not just meaning by definition but that it's impacted other people's lives made it for a better person or place or the kingdom of God like that my life literally was squeezed out like literally like every part of myself that I the way he's designed I was able to give myself to people to give myself to my spouse that I was able to enjoy my actual life and even all the accomplishments that I've had that after people say all those accomplishments people forget me in 10 minutes like you you get what I'm saying but then that you see my life lived it through other people. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, that type of mark. So I think my encouragement is to to be aware of the life that you have and live it in its fullness. And that starts with knowing Christ in his fullness. And that no matter where you are, you are not stuck. Like, you're not stuck. You're not stuck. And you don't have to be bound. There's freedom available to you, even if you're in a jail, even if you're in a prison. 
Like, I want people to experience that freedom. So, yeah. And how has that awareness helped you to live fully? Like your awareness of Christ, your awareness of what is available to you. Like, who do you think you would be without him? Like, oh, I would be a hot for him. <laughs> no, I would be a hot mess. No, honestly, I think I would be on one or the other end. I think that I would actually still be a friendly. I would be a very. What would be sad about my life would be that I would have this frame, but be tormented in private. I think I would still be cool and happy and joyful. I think that later on in my years, either I would have probably killed myself. Like I would have been one of those people who they'd be like such and such committed suicide. And you're like, why? She was so nice because I was tormented in my mind, right? Had no peace. And I'm trying to carry all this stuff and at the same time have no eternal peace. And I think that's the big thing about God in me. Like I said, in the very beginning, the fact that in my life now, who I am talking to you is actually who I am in any other space. And that type of oneness in mind and body and soul can only come from Christ. You know, people think they like authentically themselves until you realize you still got about two or three people that you're being for other folks, right? But I think I would have been tormented, definitely secretly tormented. Outside in that, probably in jail. <laughs> Somebody would have made me mad and I probably would have fought them or something. I don't know. And then <laughs> probably been in 18,000 relationships. Def- oh, most definitely. Girl, this lady I- always want to fight somebody. Y'all, this lady is five feet tall. And she always want to fight somebody. Always be talking about how she would have fought somebody. In now, my she mind. So you she know. don't fight. But like, she swears she's six feet tall, 300 yeah, pounds I in her mind. Saying. And she's not that. Like, she I is not that. I feel like I'm 5'10". And I be telling my husband, when he look, I be like, when we be standing by each other, brother, I see you. I'm looking in your eyes. Y'all, this lady be on her all the way up, trying to be out of eye with this man. And she is not out of eye with This lady is little. This is a little lady. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm If you want to run with me. Hey. Hey, I know they got this. Um, I forgot. I don't know if it's a meme or whatever, but you know the whole thing about if your husband is the one who is like really calm and mild mannered, uh huh, and the wife be the one like. <laughs> yes. Do you know how many people have tagged me in those videos? They were like, Pastor Nikki, that's so sad that they like Pastor Nikki. This is you. I'm like, that's right. I'm climbing up. You all Pastor Mart is so chill. Like. Ooh. I ain't never seen him like get mad. Barely seen him ever get irritated. Ooh, and she'd be so mad for him. <laughs> yes, you ain't got to be mad, Martez. I got you. I got you. That's why God I, made her little. Because all did. that rah-rah, <laughs> she would have been three, five, four. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what Tearing it was. People up. I, I'm telling you, that's why I was saying, without God, I think I probably would have. I probably would have been in a lot of different relationships because I'm telling you, before Pastor Martez, I was in a lot of them, honey. Every two years, I was in somebody. But I always had Christmas. I always had a Christmas gift. I always had Valentine's Day, you know. But uh, yeah, Pastor Martez stopped all that. But yeah, you know, I'm thankful for Jesus. You know, I might be little, but God big in me. 
you know what, ma'am? All right. Okay, I'm gonna ask you this. Okay. What does transformation look like for you? Or what has transformation looked like for you or meant for you? Um, transformation looks like change. It looks like continual change. I think it, it, it looks like new, but it more looks, when I think about transformation, I think about restoration. I think about something being restored, you know, just back to its intended purpose. And what has that looked like in your own life? What have been the highs and the lows? What has your transformation process looked like? Let's start mental. I think I was extremely tormented because I was a child of divorce. So I think a low self-esteem, low self-efficacy. I think I was extremely smart, but because I, my dad wasn't really present after the divorce, I think that really rocked me. I think that that was kind of a launching pad into suicide and eating disorders. I was bulimic as a teenager. I tried to commit suicide at least twice by the time I was like 18. And I just had a lot of trauma. And I think for me, growing in that dynamic that I only was the only child. And then, you know, you're trying to figure out, was it me? And I think that not being able to navigate my mom was a natural introvert. My dad was an extrovert, but because he wasn't present. So I think my mom in her best efforts was more of a person like, you know, she kept her information to herself. So I'm naturally an extrovert, but a learned introvert. So I think I just kind of adapted, you know, I don't want to cause too much problems. So I'll say something, but if I feel like it's going to cause issues then I just keep to myself. And so it's just, I think I, I would compare myself. I think I didn't like my skin color. I didn't like my size. I was a little chunky, you know? So it was kind of like, I don't know if people like me. My dad don't like me. That's what I thought, right? He didn't like me enough to stay. So why would a guy like me? And so I think I went moved into that point, like, well, I need to do things that make guys like me. What do what do I have to do? So then that kind of led to stuff like perversion. And while I, I didn't have sex until I got married, I just put myself in a lot of compromising spaces, right? And then when I did get in high school and I started, you know, being active, my body's changing. Instead of me just recognizing like, girl, you fine. You can just do what you want. I think the mentality still was there. So I think that I just allowed myself to be in a lot of relationships where I didn't have to. I think emotionally, I was filled with anger and rage. Naturally, I'm already even trying to pop out, you know what I'm saying? But I think mixing that natural personality trait with, <laughs> with rejection and shame and all these other different things, I think it just made a nice cocktail for uh, emotional stuff. I was a hot mess. And while I was going all, all through that, I'm still trying to help folks, you know? So, <laughs> and then physically, thank God I wasn't a cutter. I think if, if I would have kept going, I could have been a cutter. But I definitely told some alcohol. You hear me? My good God money, You know, alcohol. And I'm thankful I ain't go to sex route because I probably would have. Mm. Lord have mercy. 
I'm trying to tell you, I was trying to give up all my stuff. I God was definitely blocking. He was blocking every time. Nope, nope. <laughs> I'm just like, what is happening? You know, people giving out free stuff. I don't know how. I mean, it wasn't that free, but I'm still trying to say it. It wasn't like I was trying to be a virgin. I mean, only well in 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 church circles probably, but no, definitely not. Definitely not church circles. But I'm just saying, still. Yeah, God kept me. You hear me? So. Yeah, I hope I answered the question. Okay. <laughs> so if you could describe the new Nikki in three words, what would they be? Uh, whole, brave, mm-hmm. free. How does that freedom show up for you practically, like day to day? In my mind, mm-hmm. I think... When I wake up in the morning, there's no torment. So there's peace. There's peace. I believe freedom. I don't think I'm limited. If I want to do something, I can do it. Free. I think I am growing in freedom from what others think. Mm-hmm. You know, just that freedom, you know, it's just like that thought, like, well, what do they think? I don't think I hear that as much. I just, it just be like, what you about to do? I'm about to do this. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. How has loving Pastor Martez or like just being in love with Pastor Martez helped you see the love of Christ like fully? Actually, I think it's allowed me to see God's love through mercy and grace and forgiveness more than it has been like the the gushy stuff. I mean, now there have been those moments where I'm like, yes, you know, this is God <laughs> in so many ways. Uh, but I think that um, the love of God is not natural, right? And I think my ability to love Martez in every season and for him to love me also in every season is God. You know, when we have disagreements, when there are moments in your marriage where your spouse hurts you. And I mean, I, there ain't no other choice about it. They'd be like, oh, he didn't mean to. Yes, he did. <laughs> or vice versa. She meant to hurt me. Or maybe he didn't mean to hurt me, but it was it was harmful there still has to be forgiveness. And I think the love of God is the only one that it, at, at its purest form, you know, where forgiveness comes and you don't have to make it up, right? And so that's huge in marriage because in marriage, man, your spouse will be jumping through hoops, you hear me? Like, are we good now? No. <laughs> so I think, I think, yeah, I think that that's where I'm at now. Like, pretty pretty sure. If you could tell or ensure your younger self of one thing in general or one thing about the Lord, what would it be and why? I think it's weird. I think I would probably tell my younger self, you actually will. Like, all the things that I I dreamed or I felt like, is this really me? Like, will I really do this? 
And it's like, you actually will. You actually will. You actually will. And you're going to be okay. And your life is going to be good. Like, you actually will. And you're actually loved, you know? So I think, I think I would, if I could go back to my younger self, I'd be like, girl, all that stuff you wrote down in those notebooks is going to happen, you know? So. Mm. I love that. How has knowing Jesus changed your life? I think it's changed my life so much that I have a new one. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, shoot, I don't want this life. I'm about to get, can I get yours? <laughs> and I think, I mean, that's how impactful it was that I thought, I thought so much of his life that I gave my life up for it. That's a lot, you know, especially when you look at your life and be like, shoot, my life good, you know, but yeah. His life is better. So, who do you see yourself becoming? Two things. One, I still believe the Lord concerning myself as a natural mom. I I believe it. it I felt like the older I was going to get, the 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 strength of it would change. But I still I believe it's a a desire the Father put in me. You know and I'm going to hold on to that till he takes care of it, you know, but outside of being a natural mom, I think I'm called to be a spiritual mom. That scares me sometimes because I think in my life, I don't know if I have the bandwidth or the capacity. And I started recently, the Lord kept telling me, Nick, there's not a mom on this earth who thought that they were mom enough to have their kids, but they did. And so I'm having to make a decision just recently to stop being afraid to just be who I am. Like, you know, like sometimes I'll just be like, I'm not good enough to be people's mom because I don't have time. I don't, maybe I'm not a mom like this person. And God was like, girl, well, you're really going to be sad when you have an extra job because there are so many moms who have these posts all the time about, wanting to be a better mom. And it's like, you're the mom that you need to be for your child. And I feel like God has put within my life a lot of different spiritual children at different stages in their walk. And he was just like, be yourself. Like you're enough for them and whatever needs to change, if you're willing change, you know, I think that. And I also think that I am definitely approaching a space in my life in the earth and in the church at large where I think God has called me to say and do and be and instruct and give wisdom. I think that I have something to say and I don't think that it's on a local level. I don't think that it's on a regional level. And that used to, I used to feel awkward about that. Like, who do I think I am? I I think I am what he says I am. So I think at this point I'm okay with my voice. I think I I think I will make disciples. I am making disciples in Jesus' name. And I think I got a lot more left to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now these are the repeat and complete questions. So if I could ask Jesus one question in person, it would be blank. How you doing? I'm just like, 
That's really what I would ask him. Like, what are you doing? I'm sorry. That's really what I would ask. <laughs> Have you ever thought about the answer? No, that's why I want to know. I want to know, like, man, what are you doing? Like, how you really doing? And I, I really want to see, like, is this answer going to be short? Like, he's going to be like, good. And I'm like, that's it, Jesus? Like, there's so much stuff going on in the world. Like, you ain't got nothing else, you know? Uh, uh, when you coming back, you know? I really don't want to know that, though, because <laughs> if he be like, tomorrow, really? I got so much stuff I need to do. <laughs> I don't want to know that. Oh, that's how I know I ain't elevated to the like that oldest saints stuff because they be wanting to know is he coming back tomorrow i hope not you know not yet not ready for it yet mm -hmm. the greatest lesson i've learned from god is blank mm. greatest lesson i don't have to prove myself that god is enough that's probably one or the other how do you feel like you learn it by proving myself. <laughs> uh, proving myself and realizing these people ain't got no heaven or hell to put me in. And when I tell you it's wasted time, Giovanna, like wasted time and strength. And it's crazy because some people actually will let you prove yourself. You know, they you be up, they jumping through hoops and stuff like that. And it ain't their fault. It's just it's just wasted time. And then in the end, you realize the person I should be proving myself to said I don't have to. Well, my God, you know, so I just think, yeah. And then God is enough. I mean, again, it just take off a lot of weight because it's just like, that don't make no sense. I, if I would have known God is enough, you know, how we have buyer's remorse. If Well, if I would have known he was enough, I wouldn't have been doing all this, you know. So, yeah. One thing I want people to know about God is he is faithful. I mean, you know, and the reason I think I want to say that is because there's sometimes when you be like, now God, you didn't take me out. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know <laughs> what, you know, and you fall out with the Lord. And you be like, I don't care. I don't quit. I'm going to leave. I ain't doing this church thing no more. I don't know. That man still be there. That's what I, what? You tell me somebody who will still commit to you after all that. So God is faithful, man. In the end, even the stuff that he said about you, even if you walk away, he's still faithful to carry it out. That's what I, I just be like, oh yeah, you clutch God, you clutch. So. The advice I would like to leave people with is, um, I was going to say, well, I think I'm going to say, find you some real ones, you know? So my thing is, whether that's Christ, you know, just authenticity, find a group of people who are, are real, you know, and they may be still discover how to be that. So I'm not saying they got to be perfect. Right. But I think that community is it's not everything, but find you some real ones. And if you can't find a real one, be one. I mean, man, be one anyway, you know, but 
real ones attract real ones, I guess. You know, that's how I feel. So, like, in spaces where I haven't found people who are authentic in friendship or they don't know what that looks like yet, then I'll just be the, I'm, I'm the real friend first. So, I kind of like you got to deal with a shady person first and then let them know, hey, I'm real. You know, and we're going to, it's like restoring a house, right? You know, all the houses in the neighborhood have messed up. Fix your house. You know, then it'll inspire somebody else to fix theirs. So, yeah. Are there any worship songs or scriptures that you lean on in particular in your walk, like right now? No, that's so sad. (laughs) Most of my stuff is like Christian hip hop. So I just be rocking and listening to the Christian trap music. So I don't really know if it's encouraging everybody. I mean, (laughs) um, but no, I will say what's been inspiring for me has been this song The Story I'll Tell by Maverick, I think that speaks of my life. Like, I feel like that's kind of like my anthem. Like, there is going to be a story. I'm telling a story now, but there is a story that I will tell, right? And so I think that, then there's this, there's this song, Stephanie, Stephanie Gretzinger. And I think her song is called, I'm looking at it right now. It's No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. And so I think I have these kind of intimate moments with the father where I'm recognizing like, you care for me. Like that whole love thing that I keep talking about with me and God. And it's just that awareness. You really do love me, right? And so I just am in that. And then outside of those two songs, because I know he loved me, then I just turn up, right? I just be like, oh, we about to turn up. <laughs> so we be like, you be listening to worship music all day? No. <laughs> I heard what he said. Now I'm about to turn up. <laughs> so if you see me at the light and I'm turning up, that's because I know my father loves me. Right? Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely turning up. Yeah. What about your scriptures? Scriptures. Whew. I feel like where my mom at in this moment. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I wouldn't say I don't have. I don't think I have a scripture. I guess Galatians 2.20, like I'm crucified with Christ. I guess for me, you know what I'm saying? It's like, do you have a scripture you live by? I'm like, nah, man, I've been needing scriptures for different situations. Because for me, it's kind of like, I scriptures to me are like spices you cook with, right? Like, I mean, you always need salt, salt and pepper. You know, like, so what's your favorite pepper? Black pepper? You know, I mean, like I use it all the time. But at the same time, I think I use different spices, I guess. I, I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know. And don't get me wrong. Because I was about to say, like in my more religious days, I'd be like, girl, I got four scriptures that I live by, you know. But I would say that. And then this other scripture, I don't live by because I don't want to do it. You know, so. <laughs> I just feel like I live by the word, I guess, you know, like, I don't know. If you have a favorite scripture, I'm not talking about you, but yeah. Is there anything that you would like to leave the audience with? Any, anything you would like to promote? How can they find you? Are there any projects, anything you're doing? Like, what do you want the audience to know about you and how they can keep in touch with you? Well, I'm on IG I'm under Shanee.Nikki.Moore. Well, Shanee.N.Moore. And I'm on Clubhouse under Shanee Nikki Moore. 
Facebook, Shanina Q. Moore. From there, um, I'll be sharing more and more about different projects and programs that I'll be doing this year. But yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, we want to thank Pastor Nikki so much for coming and sharing with us. We hope that you gleaned something from this, that you gained something from this. And as always, I'm your host, Giovanna, and I'm just a good girl who met a great guy. And we'll see you back next time. Bye.